Welcome to a ride on the outside. MMA is full of people on the inside, but what about the ones that watch from beyond? Welcome to the MMA Outsiders with Tom Albano and Zan Bando on the Empty the Bench Podcast Network. Well, hello, hello. It's another edition of the MMA Outsiders here on the Empty the Bench Podcast Network. That's San. I'm Tom. We're here with you as always. It's episode number 43. Zan, lots and lots of fights to cover. Bellator happened. You were there for that. PFL happened. I worked that. The UFC happened. Jared Kennedy set a new UFC middleweight record and set one of the all-time striking performances in the UFC. So there's a lot that we got to get into. There's this weekend's fights. But of course, San Conor McGregor going to Conor McGregor and steal all the spotlight for himself because that's just how it always seems to be. Before we get into any of that, make sure you hit that like button, subscribe, hit the notification bell so you get notified of everything here at the Empty the Bench Network, every MMA Outsiders episode, every stream of Tough Enough we're going to do for the summer, and so much more. Make sure to follow us at MMA Outsiders ETB on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Follow the Empty the Bench Network on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at ETB Network. That is Zan Bando, my co-host as always. You can find his work over at BJPen.com, and he is a member of the Bellator Rankings Committee. Uh, I am Tom Albano. You can find my work over at Fansided MMA, and you can find my work as well with the Professional Fighters League on their website. Those of you who are listening to our audio-only podcasting platforms, make sure to check out the YouTube feed as well. We're closing in on 400 subscribers, and then it's up to 500. And those of you who are watching us here on YouTube, don't forget, if you don't want to see Zan or I, if you don't want to see our our ugly-looking mugs, and you want to take MMA Outsiders on the road with you, ACAS, Spotify, all the audio platforms that you would want, and so much more. All right, Zan, lots to break down. We got Bellator. We had Bellator this past weekend, Bellator 297. We had PFL5. We're closing in. We're getting ready to end the 2023 PFL regular season and head into the playoffs. We have the UFC who were in uh, the apex this past weekend for a very uh, interesting card with a pretty nice solid main event between Marvin Vittori and Jared Kinnear. We've got PFL with, like, like I mentioned, their season, their season closing card this weekend before they go into the playoffs and the UFC actually Zan not in the apex. They're actually going off somewhere this weekend they're going to jacksonville but zan as i mentioned conor mcgregor kind of conor mcgregor and unfortunately we're gonna have to lead with conor mcgregor it's a, it's our only news headlines of this week only one or two but they all revolve around conor mcgregor to start things off last week zan we mentioned how conor mcgregor was in that miami heat NBA Finals uh, halftime show or third quarter show, whatever it was that went awry, where a mask, the Miami Heat mascot, had to be transported into the hospital because of the uh, because of the punch gone wrong, and now apparently that wasn't the only thing McGregor allegedly did during Game Four of the NBA Finals, as another accusation of sexual assault has come out against him. Yeah, um, first off, before you jump into this, you absolutely nailed the intro. Um, it, it felt like it, it, it felt like there 
It felt like there was too much going on a mile a minute, especially on Friday with both PFL and Bellator taking place concurrently. So I'm very excited to get into both of those. But yeah, as you alluded to just a minute ago, Conor McGregor and the Conor McGregor. And of course, even when Conor McGregor is is not fighting potentially until the end of the year and potentially never again, depending on how, how far this goes, of course, he has to be back in the news for something. And is the, this happens to be it. So it's unfortunate that we're talking about it, but we have to talk about it because he's the biggest star in the sport. And it's truly devastating to see that he's still continuing to go off his rocker over and over and over again. This is now the third or fourth time he's been accused of something like this. Hasn't been found guilty of any sort of wrongdoing in any of the other instances, but it just leads me to wonder, this guy continues to get himself in hot water. And it's like, I don't know, like, does he, does he do it for attention? Does he do it because he's careless? Does he do it because he knows he's going to get away with it? There's so many, there's so many questions around him and just, just this whole thing of his trouble with the law that it just leads me to question, like, what, what is his actual motive? Like we see all these videos of him in all these different places. He's in, Formula one one weekend he's at the NBA finals the next and it's like he's doing everything but you know getting ready for a fight and even on tough we kind of have alluded to it he's become sort of a sideshow through the first few weeks and this is now just another another straw I guess um, you were the first to tell me about this when it first broke so thank you for that I was not paying attention until I opened my phone and saw that from you. And then, of course, you know, it's big news when NBC Nightly News leads it with their second story of the evening. So obviously a very, very weird uh, situation, Tom. How do, how do we contextualize all this? I mean, Zan, I think you nailed it perfectly in that technically he has not been found guilty of any of these uh, sexual assault accusations, whether it be the ones from 2019, whether it be this one. Um, but it's more a matter of Zan, like you mentioned, another controversy with McGregor. I mean, Zan, I am on Conor McGregor's Wikipedia page right now. Listen to all of this driving offenses, uh, where he's had multiple of, including one last year, the Bellator 187 thing where he got into it with uh Mark Goddard, the bus attack from 223, the 229 brawl with Khabib. Um, the sexual assault allegations from Dublin, like I mentioned, from early 2019. The incident, Zan, from Florida, where he took the guy's cell phone and smashed it. The pub where he punched the old man. Uh, the 2020 sexual assault ag- allegation. The altercation with MGK, MGK at the music video awards. The uh, Italian musician that he attacked, allegedly... And, Zan, keep in mind that uh, earlier this year, he had another accusation against him by a woman. It wasn't sexual assault. It was just plain assault. So, I mean, again, he hasn't been found guilty of any of the sexual assault. But you look at that history and the stuff that he has done, and it's like, how much more can he continue to get away with and Zen, as I kind of, I, I kind of made an allusion to this last week, but you know, Conor McGregor wasn't really in the headline. We weren't really talking about Conor McGregor, but how much the UFC and by stretch 
this is what I referred to when I talked about last week, Sam, how much the commissions allow him to get away with. Do you remember when Mike Tyson bit uh, Vander Holyfield's ear and they actually banned Mike Tyson from the sport? They actually revoked his license for biting a person's ear inside the ring. Now, granted, Tyson had spent some time in jail earlier, but you look at all this history. It's like you said, Dan, how much more is Conor McGregor going to be allowed to get away with? Yeah, and you bring up the Tyson example, and that's great. You're aging me just a little bit because <laughs> I was because I was not alive when that incident took place. But, of course, I've heard about it. And when you're going to take down the biggest star in boxing at the time and revoke his license for something that egregious, which is what Nevada should have done, that's that's part of their job. It, 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 it leads me to question that almost 30 years later, they're not doing the same thing with MMA's biggest star. It's like you would think that after all those incidents that McGregor would either be banned from fighting in the, sta- in the state of Nevada or be suspended from fighting in the, state of, in the state of Nevada for an extended period of time, just given everything that you've said. And what's interesting and something you didn't touch on, which I think is the most interesting, is all of these incidents, if you really think about it, all happened in their respective years within a six to 12 month span, every single time it was, they were all, they were all kind of around the same time frame every calendar year, which is very bizarre in my, in my, in my opinion. So you're saying McGregor like goes through stages of, I'm not going to do anything. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to be a wild child. I'm not going to do anything. Oh, I'm going to be a wild child. That's what it very well seems like, because you mentioned the machine gun Kelly incident you mentioned the incident in Miami. Those were all around April, May, June, which is in the very similar time frame that we're in literally right now as we are recording this. So to me, it's very uh, to, to me, it's very interesting. And truly, it just bums me out because um, I mean, I mean, it just I don't know if you've gotten a chance to watch the whole thing, but it really did seem like the people around him especially in the McGregor Forever documentary, really do want to see him succeed. And it's like, I'm sure they've told him over and over and over again, like, you shouldn't do this. This is going to tarnish your legacy. And I don't know. I just feel like he's the biggest figure in the sport. So he feels like he can he can get away with anything. And it's very interesting because to me, he's the only fighter that I could say um, with, with confidence is bigger than the whole sport just because of like – the attention that he draws and he can do anything and people will, people will gravitate towards it, read about it, watch it, whatever it may be. I think it's going to be one of those things where this is going to be brushed under the rug. Um, and, and it's probably going to be some sort of, some sort of money dispute or something like that. This is just a guess. I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen, but to, but to me, it's starting to go down on that route with more information that's coming out about the story changing and whatnot. So again, I, I don't know. I'm not saying that he is or isn't guilty, but what I am saying is it seems like all parties involved are doing all they can to protect him in such a way that way, A, he doesn't get in trouble, and that way, B, he can still continue to fight. We're going to get into the fight aspect of this in a few minutes, but to me, that's the route I could see this going down 100%. Yeah, uh, I'll try not to make anything of, okay, he's innocent, okay, he's guilty, but like you said, Zan, I think the interesting thing is everything that has come out, the accuser story, the footage that's come out, and Zan, honestly, I think the biggest, most interesting part of the story to me is the most interesting 
an original kind of circumstance compared to everything else that has happened, uh, you know, with his other sexual assault accusations is in the accuser's message, basically the accusation towards the Miami Heat saying that Miami Heat security basically separated the alleged victim from a friend and basically didn't let anybody into the men's bathroom other than Connor and that alleged victim where the alleged sexual assault took place. Yeah, when you see things like that, you know, especially from such a high-level security team like the Miami Heat, the team is in the NBA Finals, they're playing for a championship, you know security is going to be massively through the roof. It's going to be the largest security um, stretch, you know, of of the season and one of the biggest uh, security halls uh, in all of American sports for that year. Does that surprise you when you hear that the Miami Heat security team allegedly he did this. And what was your first reaction when you heard that that that, that was um, potentially a possibility that they could have been very well involved in this entire thing? I actually originally couldn't believe it, Sam. I, I said, "There's no way. Why would, as you kind of alluded to, Sam? Why would you know the Miami Heat and their security team, with all the massive detail that's going around, and the fact that McGregor is such a public figure?" Why would, you know, they play any sort of role in this? And then the footage comes out and it just wasn't a good look overall. Yeah, and and Sam, when the footage dropped of the woman and McGregor entering the bathroom and you could actually hear a voice saying, no, 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 and all that such. I mean, if you saw the reaction on the Twitter sphere, right? You had the men basically saying, oh, she willingly let went in. And then you had the women basically saying that it looked like something, a circumstance where sexual assault could take place. Yeah. If you, I don't think, if you, sorry, if I, you, I, I, I don't think that video was a good look on anybody. No, I don't think the video was a good look on anyone. And if you noticed my Twitter feed over the weekend, I kept very quiet because, because I was Same. waiting to, I was I was waiting to speak on this in the next few days when we when we were able to sit down and record, which is obviously right now. And I will say that I agree with you. The video wasn't a good look on anybody's part, but I think the thing that people are missing too is what the heck are all those people? Did you did, did you notice in the back of the video? Did you notice all the entourage just sitting there, kind of like innocent bystanders? Standards not doing anything to defuse the situation at all. It just seemed like a mob of crazy people, and the, it, to me, it just didn't make sense. Like why no one, why no one was um, uh, parading the doors, so to speak. Why no one was going in there to assist if anything did happen to go wrong at that very moment. Like to me, just the the people on the outside of the video, I think, are the ones to blame in this instant in, in this instance because if they're right there and they have the access that they do to that stall or to that area of the arena, they should have easily done something about it. even if they're not formal security, just to show that A, they're doing their job as as bodyguards, number one. And 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 and, and, and number two, why why would you just sit there and watch it? That was my that, that was my first question when I when I when I saw the footage. Yeah, so I'm actually bringing up the video right now. So 
for those who can't see, you could see Connor with the alleged victim. I'm going to try to get the sound on. Like, you, you hear all the no's. You hear a lot of the no's. And then you have basically one security guy saying, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, just from what I could see, it looks like one security guy is kind of like preventing anybody from getting into that bathroom. Yeah, I just more so meant the people on the outside that wasn't the one security guard. Like, uh, like, there, like there could have been there, there could have been more people in there to defuse it instead of just the one guy. If that if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, you know, no, you're right because I I see somebody by the bathroom door and it just kind of letting in, like not caring. I mean, definitely, Zan. I think this is a horrific look for the Miami Heat and their security team. I think this is a really bad look for Conor McGregor. Uh, as far as the alleged victim goes, again, I can't play innocent or guilty here. I mean, you know, we in America, we are supposed to let the court system rule all of that. But I could very well see that. I think you're right. I could very well see this more ending along the lines of a settlement than something actually happening. And as I kind of said, this isn't all a good look on anybody. And you're right. This is a situation that could have been stopped. And nobody did anything to stop it no and i think this is also a bad look for the nba too because the nba prides themselves on making sure that you know the playoffs and the nba finals are run as smoothly as possible and obviously this didn't come out until a week after game four if i'm not mistaken so About, i think yeah. this i think this is also a bad part on the on the league itself because they're the ones who are granting these celebrities access into their venue especially with and it is the NBA Finals, and they could have done a better job to make sure that, you know, that that both parties were in their separate areas. And how they even connected, to me, is the part that's super questionable. And then you have the video afterward of the alleged victim at a, at a club an hour after the With Connor. Yeah, that's really, that's really bizarre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely bizarre. By the way, I'm sorry if it comes off as like I'm smiling or smirking this, but uh, but uh, Zan, when you mentioned that, oh, the NBA, it's a, not a good look. I already know. Now that you said that, I can already see this week in ETV Sports. <laughs> I could just see Nick Morgison exploding. You, it, for those of you who don't watch ETV Sports, the other show I'm a part of, the sports show, Nick Morgison has an absolute hatred of Adam Silver, and combined yeah. what has happened. He hates Adam Silver, and he went on an all-time rant on his live stream after the suspension. And for John Morant, came down that had me dying laughing for twenty minutes straight. And and this, and you know now he's gonna want to talk about this. And you know now that you have said what you have said, he is going to do one of his blame uh, Adam Silver slip up moments on uh on this again too. Yeah, and speaking of, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Adam Silver has said nothing about this incident. Is that, nope. is that <laughs> not, a clue, <laughs> not a thing. <laughs> so, of course, he's going to go off. Yeah, nonetheless, though, um, I'm just going to say this. Um, from the perspective of letting the court system do its thing, I really do hope that no individual, no matter if it's Connor, the alleged victim, anyone who was remotely involved in this, was was hurt or traumatized 
hey, this in any way. We don't we don't want to see any of this bad stuff happen. But I do just hope that in in the conclusion that the courts do play it out in the in the way they're supposed to, or a settlement is reached and both parties are 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 happy with the outcome and everyone can can move on and learn from their lesson. But I say that. I say that in the sense that maybe in two weeks another incident will pop up and we'll have to talk about this all over again. <laughs> all right. Okay, let's flip let's flip over to how this relates to a potential fight with Michael Chandler because there is another angle to the his story. For yeah, those of you for those of you who don't know, the ultimate fighter is still airing, and according to some very uh I guess you could say flamboyant uh, MMA fans on Twitter. <laughs> Apparently, they think the next episode of The Ultimate Fighter is going to do insane ratings, which, I, which honestly, I really, I really can't blame them for stating that take. They're probably, they're probably going to end up being correct on that. But let, let's now talk about well, how this relates to a potential fight with Chamber. Well, well, first of all, Zan, they kind of need it after you. Did you see from? Jed Goodman's uh, ratings report the drop between episodes one and three. It was I did. significant. So I they did. need something to get people back interested. Now I'm glad if the, <laughs> if what happens, if that prediction is true, I'm glad that a fight between Timur Valiev and Trevor Wells will actually get seen by quite quite, you know, the audience. But how can <laughs> all this Connor stuff relates to Michael Chandler, a fight with Michael Chandler? Well, there may not be a fight with Michael Chandler. So Conor McGregor had until June 16th to enter the USADA testing pool. It is now June 19th, the day we're recording this, June 20th when it airs. And well, Zan, Conor McGregor has not entered the USADA testing pool. Therefore, unless he gets some sort of Brock Lesnar-like exemption to have a fight with Michael Chandler, it seems like that fight with Michael Chandler will not happen in December on December 16th. It won't happen in September. It won't happen in December. It won't happen in November. It just may not happen. And reports circulating. Now, I should be very clear about this, Sam, when I say reports circulating. The Todd Atkins show does get a bit of a role in this again. Now, if you remember the Todd Atkins show, they were the ones who dropped about the PFL potentially buying Bellator, which got downplayed, got a flat-out denied, and now that has resurfaced a bit. So considering the circumstances with that, and Connor, we will mention it as a report that apparently Connor McGregor is no longer interested in fighting Michael Chandler, and the UFC is now going about potential backup plans for both men. If that is true, Zan, then this season a tough, especially if... Uh, Valley of Beach Wells tomorrow, I mean later today on Tough. Then Zen, I, I mean, at this point, Tough is just a waste. I'm sorry. But at that, if this fight does not happen and we continue on that path where Connor's a sideshow, like we talked about, and Chandler just continues to, you know, wipe the floor with him and with his team in these first round matches, then Tough's a waste. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, I'm gonna hold out hope and still say that the that the McGregor Chandler fight's gonna happen. I, I'm I'm gonna go on the assumption now that that Conor McGregor will get the Brock Lesnar treatment. He will get he will get the exemption because why the heck not at this point? 
no one really cares anymore. I, I think he's going to get the exemption. They're not just going to book the team of Arena for the end of the year and not have some sort of massive main event. I, I think I think if it isn't Condor, the entire UFC 295 card is a bust, in my in my in my humble opinion. Okay, I'm glad you mentioned that because I want to throw a theory out there that might involve a little bit of a extreme kind of take. Okay, what is it? Okay, if this fight, if McGregor Chandler does not happen, at least not in 2023, could you see a situation, therefore? where the UFC takes the potential Jones-Stipe fight that could have been booked for the Garden and moves in November and moves it to December 16th at T-Mobile. I don't. I think they would have no choice but to do exactly that. And, okay, so then here's going to be my take, Sam. If they do that, I understand it's Connor being creative, Connor, but if they do that and they replace it with something not massive, like a Leon-Colby fight for the Garden, Zan despite all I said in the previous months, then I'm not going. I have no interest in going. You cannot tease a Madison Square Garden card with a heavyweight, you know, king like Stipe Miocic and John Jones, the disputed goat of mixed martial arts, let alone the UFC, and his final fight, supposed final fight, and then take that away from the guard and replace it with something probably like Leon versus Colby. You, then, you, then you're going to see basically ticket sales drop. Well, um, I have some I have some news for you. I don't think you have to worry about that being a, being an issue because I think what the UFC is trying to do is they're trying to target Leon versus Colby in Vegas or that mid-September card, so you might you might end up you might end up being okay. Okay, but then but regardless, Sam, my point being that if you're going to take away a big fight like Jones, Steve, how are you going to replace that for the Garden? Yeah, because you're not going to put you're not going to put Jamal Hill versus Yuri Prohaska in New York. You doesn't can't make, do does, that. It does it does it doesn't make sense? You can't you can't do it. You are going to have to pull off – if you want to retain the ticket sales and keep – I'm just speaking personally, Dan, and keep my interest in going, You are, and you're going to take away Joan Stipe, you are going to have to pull something out of your ass. For sure. Um, for sure. And would you, would you also say that um, – so then, so then what happens? Do you think there's going to be two title fights in Abu Dhabi then, or do – you think they'll just stick with Oliveira and uh, and Makachev then? If we're if we're talking about scheduling. I would think that they would try to do two title fights. I think two title fights for Abu Dhabi. I think they only move one of those from Abu Dhabi to the Garden as a main event in a last resort kind of move. Something along the lines of DC versus uh, Derek Lewis, twenty eighteen. Interesting. So you you really do think that that this Madison Square Garden card could be a could be a 2018 MSG situation? Oh my oh my god! I'm that's I I maybe I'm being a Debbie Downer or pessimistic, but I'm concerned. This news has me really concerned. If Connor not only has re-entered the, not re-entered the Usada <laughs> testing pool, but has no interest in fighting Chandler anymore, if, if that's true, Zan then this is probably the worst kind of news for the UFC. This is an all-around lose situation. Okay, so since we're still on the topic of scheduling, 
you know, the UFC has been very adamant of making their January cards, you know, really important. Could you see a McGregor Chandler fight moving to a month like January? Or, or uh, how, about, how about this outlier? February Super Bowl weekend. weekend. I you could, could see that. you could you could move that fight to to February and have Super Bowl weekend be a be a be a banger extravagant weekend with Saturday McGregor Chandler and Sunday the Super Bowl both in both in Vegas. Yeah, I could see that again. I mean the January card. I mean San the January card this past year they had a flyweight and light heavyweight title fight. And that proved to be a banger, you know, despite people not being so much interested in flyweight supposedly and the light heavyweight scene being one of the weakest, you know, I, I, I thought they still pulled out a banger in January. So I'm not too concerned about that January card that they're planning. February Super Bowl weekends, like you said, they always pull off something. Uh, it's just the garden that concerns me. Because, like I said, I actually, when it, it seemed like the rumor was John Steep, Joan Stipe at the Garden, I said, oh, maybe I actually could, you know, find my way in there. But if you're going to take away that, now, granted, again, maybe not so much UFC fault, maybe more on the front lines of Conor McGregor not living up to his tough coach's promise, but at the same time, really disappointing. And like I said, this news is just a, this news is just an all-around lose-lose kind of situation for everybody. And then I talk about, uh, you know, not so much the UFC's fault, but we'll get into a topic after we talk about UFC Vegas 75 that could play along those lines, a topic that actually we've talked about in the MMA community for a while at this point. But my point is here, you know, the, the Conor Chandler fight, I, I know – I know what the thing is about going to be with the exemptions, but the for the UFC's ass to be saved and for that MSG guard's ass to be saved, it, it, the fight's got to happen. McGregor's got to get an exemption. Oh, I agree. Nonetheless, no matter who Connor fights, I'm going to do all I can to make sure that I'm there or close to being there. It would be cool to go to back-to-back Connor fights. Obviously, yeah, I just don't know when his next one's going to be, but... I will I will make the effort to make it to another big fight in Vegas, whether it's Connor or somebody else at some point down the line. It may be sooner than you think. More info on that later. But yes, in terms of Connor getting back in the cage, he needs to get an exemption for sure. And we simply just need answers at this point. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, Sam, we were already impatient before. But now, like it's like now that it's affecting actual cars and affecting possibly the Ultimate Fighter, it's like okay, now we need some answers. What the hell is going on with this fight? For sure. So, if you were to ask me right now, does this fight happen in twenty twenty three? Yes or no? I'm gonna I'm gonna lean I'm gonna lean on the side of yes. It, it somehow still happens. I'm leaning towards no, but. This is one of those cases in of brain versus brain versus heart. Brain says no, heart says yeah, it has to. Okay, and then the final question before we move on: If Jones versus Stipe is at Madison Square Garden, are you going to do everything you can to make it to your first UFC? Yes. However, like I said, if they move Jones Stipe because of this Connor situation to T-Mobile, no. Okay. That that this the Connor situation that Jones Stipe situation are pretty much going to determine on if I do all that I can. Okay. Because I'm not dropping, like you said, I'm not dropping 
$300 and then watching, you know, after, let me be clear, after teasing us about a Jones-Stipe super fight with Jones's retirement fight there, and then taking that away and replacing it with, I don't know, a featherweight title fight or a light heavyweight title fight. Yeah, that that's the that's the example I used. Jamal Hill, Yuri Prohaska. Well, I think if for those who want to see Jamal Hill versus Yuri Prohaska, December sixteenth is looking very very good at the moment. <laughs> I honestly would rather they do Jamal Hill versus Yuri Prohaska on December sixteenth, which pretty much by then it'll probably end up being the case, or it'll be moved to a co-main event if McGregor can get his act together. But we'll see. All right, let's move on to the fights that actually took place over the weekend, shall we? So, I was lucky enough to cover Bellator 297 at Wintrust Arena in Chicago. Um, I was lucky enough to partake in almost every single media event except for the weigh-ins that took place on Thursday. And it was an absolute thrill. Thankfully, everything was really close to my apartment, between 10 and 15 minutes away. We started on Tuesday with Media Day at the Palmer House, where we heard from 10 fighters there including the champions. And of course, um, we actually did not hear from um, Corey Anderson nor Phil Davis on Tuesday, but that's when things changed for Wednesday. And that is when we found out on Wednesday that Yoel Romero would not be attending at the Willis Tower because of his fear of heights. He has so acrophobia, y'all. Yeah, he sure does. Um, but it was still a very cool experience to be at that press conference. Some notable names that were there outside of the fighters, which you guys obviously already know if you've been following the coverage. Some of the fighters that were there, uh, Frankie Edgar was there, Fedor Emelianenko was there, Emery Suhudo's coach was there, um, and a couple other notable names too, which was which is very cool. It was, of course, hosted by Shale Sonnen, so to get a glimpse of the bad guy in person from only a couple feet away from me was pretty crazy, and once the press conference was over, he vanished, and I never saw him again. And he did not—he he did not stick around at all. As soon as the press conference was over, he was completely gone. Then members of the media went upstairs, did some photo shoots um, at the Sky Deck, which actually turned out to be really, really cool. You could check out some of the pictures on my Instagram and my Bellator highlight if you want to see how those turned out. They actually looked really, really cool. And then it was time for the weigh-ins. Everybody made weight. All 26 fighters went on the scale. They all made weight on Thursday, and then Friday was the day of the event. Uh, when you go as a member of the media, it's a pretty seamless process. You walk in. The Bellator PR staff are second to none. They truly are one of the best that they do, if not the best in the entire sport. Shout out to all of the, those guys that are. They got me everything I could possibly want. Um, I walk in, they give me my media credential, and of course, I sat in the same seat that I sat in at the last Bellator event, which was seat 24, which is right behind the VIP section and literally cage side. So that was really cool. We had to wait an hour until the fights started due to a delay, both with tech issues and a missing ambulance. A very, very bizarre. Did not really get full closure on that. Once the delay was over, people were speculating that it was too to mess with the PFL, that could not that could not be further from the truth. That was not their intention at all. So I just wanted to get that out of the way. Then the fight started, and the prelims were just absolute bangers, one after another. Uh, the preliminary card, or the first half of it rather, went pretty fast. 
the main card started on time. And then we got Decision City. We got some unfortunate um, unfortunate news for the hometown crowd, Daniel James, losing uh, to Go Cam, um, uh, um, Sarah Cam, which was unfortunate for the people who had paid their hard-earned money to see Daniel James fight. We did get a bounce back, though, with Corey Anderson in beating Phil Davis, so that was good for the hometown crowd. And then, of course, the two title fights. And then, of course, another perk of being at a Bellator event like that, the media room was literally 30 feet from my seat. So all I had to do was go between the media room and my seat the entire night, and it was literally seamless. Literally just go through the tunnel, go to the hallway, go to the left, and I was right in there. We got to hear from Patchy Mix, who was on hand to watch Sergio Pettis versus Patricio Pitbull. He got in the cage right after that. Um, we also got to hear from a lot of the fighters. We got to hear from Scott Coker afterward. And, of course, because how could they not? They gave us free Giordano's pizza, and I got to meet Nolan King. So, overall, it was a very, very successful week. I was treated like absolute royalty at Bellator. The, the, all of those guys could not have been any cooler. And they always treat me very well so far with the two events I've done as media. And I truly cannot wait to go back to another one. They really are the best at what they do, and they make sure that we have everything that we need. And truly, just the seating setup is awesome, and I cannot thank them enough for putting on such a great event. You know, it's just as well as anyone. I was jacked the day that they announced this card. I was so thrilled to be there, and it's truly, I think I counted. I've been I've been lucky enough to go to 16 major MMA events um, since 2008, and this has to be one of my favorites easily. Top six for sure, and it was truly just a wonderful time. And if you want to catch more of my coverage of what I did on Friday, you can go to bjpen.com. It's all right there. I have a story about Yul Romero, a story about Scott Coker, saying that the majority of his fighters are better than the UFCs, which is a very bold statement. And then, of course, I also have the live results from Friday, and then, of course, all of the weigh-in numbers that you could possibly ask for. And that was really a conclusion of my week. It was truly... Uh, masterful, and and, and, it, and it could not have been a smoother experience, and I was just very glad to be there. I'm very glad that you got to experience what you experienced, and honestly, it sounds like a hell of a time, and I could say, Sam, honestly, you've probably had a better time being there than I did watching, because the TV kind of experience for Bellator 297 was kind of kind of disappointing, not just in the delay, but like you said, <laughs> unfortunately, there was a bit of Decision City, and some fights ended up being underwhelming. Let you know what? Let's just get into let's get into those fights. So the Dean Nemkov has shown Zan that he really is the king of the light heavyweights these days in Bellator, retaining his title with a win over uh Yoel Romero via decision. Yoel Romero, some speculated, could probably retire after this fight, but he has not retired. So that leaves the question now of what is next for both fighters. And Zan, I know you all Romero, you know, seemed to trouble the Dean Nemkov. I think it was around the third round with one shot. But other than that, it seemed like a clear Nemkov victory. Yeah, for sure. And um, once they come out, you'll notice, I think, a drastic change. Uh, the Dean Nemkov moved up in my pound-for-pound rankings after – for this win, so I think for those Nemkov fans out there, you'll be pretty happy with where I have him placed. I think it's something that people have been expecting for a while, so you'll just have to stay tuned for, for that. I think you'll be, I think you'll be pretty excited. I was feeling in a good uh, rankings moving up mood after 
Eddie. So <laughs> I, I actually, I actually moved a lot, a lot of different fighters up from their respective positions prior just to. Know, Sam, to, just know that moving people up also means you have to move some people down. No, 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 that no, that's very, that's very true. And 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 I tried to be very generous. It's just given, just given who they competed against and everything. But yeah, but Dean Nemkov, very, very impressive. I've been lucky enough to see to see his last two fights in person, which is um, which is which is crazy to think about. So I am so I am two and zero in attendance when Dean Nemkov competes. So I hope we can I hope we can keep this going. And um, I think the biggest takeaway from the fight is Vadim Nemkov just looked clean. His boxing looked clean. It looked like he could do whatever he wanted. Romero tired Romero out, had a chance to finish him in the second and third round, neutralized the head kick well. Overall, just a very smooth performance. Um, I had him winning the fight four rounds to one. I actually gave the round that Romero uh, dropped Nemkov round three. Uh, to Romero, just because I thought it was going to be a turning point in the fight, it ended up not being that way. But the crowd really did sway how the fight was going. I, I noticed that a lot of people who were very silent started to really cheer heavily for Romero's. Oh, that was interesting. I was I was in media row, but there were like tons of fans behind me, and they were all really into it once Romero dropped him and hurt him. So it was definitely a very unique experience. And um, yeah, I think Nemkov were good, and I, I actually agree with them. He doesn't want to fight Corey Anderson because he's already beaten him. He wants to move up in weight to heavyweight, and I think it could pose some very interesting challenges for him um, if, if he doesn't go in that route. And that was news to Scott Coker. Uh, he was he was asked about that after the event, and it, it was definitely news, but it's something that uh, Coker and, and he are, are interested in, uh, in negotiating about which made me very happy and I think it freshened up Bellator a little bit. I think San that I think San the Dean Nemikov moving up to moving up in weight and taking on Ryan Bader in a champion versus champion fight poses a bigger threat to Ryan Bader than any of the other Bellator heavyweight uh, ranked contenders. Oh I think so too and that's a fight that uh as you would probably assume, I would be more than happy to be the or if that ends mm-hmm. up if that if that ends up being the being the next one. No disrespect to Winston Vassell. Winston Vassell is a great fighter, but you want to talk about a money making machine? That's the fight. That's the fight you do. Two huge names: Ryan Bader, UFC veteran, has made a name for himself in Bellator versus Vadim Nemkov, who, in my opinion, in any MMA promotion, and I I have to agree with Coker on this. I do think Vadim Nemkov is the best light heavyweight in the world in any in in, in any promotion. And to be quite honest, I think I think if he ever fought Jamal Hill, I think I think he beat him. I agree. I actually think he would be Jamal Hill. Uh, and and Zan also considering that both Vadim Nemkov, Linton Vassell would be rematches, but Ryan Bader has been Linton Vassell at light heavyweight. Vadim Nemkov bulldoze Ryan Bader at light heavyweight. Now, maybe you can try to make the argument that heavyweight Bader and, and light heavyweight Bader are two different, you know, kind of builds and maybe two different kind of fighters. But I would say, I, I would, I would say so. And I think heavyweight Bader is way more powerful than light heavyweight Bader by a, by a long shot. I but, th- I, but I'm curious of what a heavyweight Nemkov could do to a heavyweight Bader, considering what he did to light heavyweight Bader. Yeah, I mean, that would be, I mean, hey, you want to talk about 
the biggest fight Bellator could make right now outside of um, outside of the patchy mixed Sergio Pettis fight and outside of the fights that are taking place in Japan. That's the that's the fight for sure. Probably, yeah. Uh, speaking of the lower weight class, speaking of Sergio Pettis and Patchy Mix, let's talk about that. Sergio Pettis has retained his bantamweight championship. He prevents Patricio Pitbull from making history. So, Zan, two things. Well, first of all, this was probably fight of the night. You know, for, for sure. Like, like we said, for as much of a disappointment as it was watching Bellator from home and not being there live, you know, the Pettis versus Pitbull fight was very entertaining. Fight of the night by a mile. Uh, Pettis definitely seemed to keep pace. And Pettis, you know, I was concerned, Zan. For, I was very concerned because I said Pettis' first fight back after major injury and he's going to take on the face of Bellator with history on the line and Pettis was able to prevent that history from happening. So two questions. Number one, is anyone, is there ever going to be anybody in any major MMA organization, Bellator, UFC, PFL, one championship that will ever get to, you know, holding uh, I mean, winning three championships, you know, in three different weight classes. Number two, considering what Sergio did to Patricio Pitbull here, what is? what do you think he's going to do with Patchy Mix? Yeah, so you're going to laugh at me for this, but I watched this fight with no audio in the back. I, uh, I was, I was, uh, I was worried that if I sat there cage side to watch it, I would get way too distracted because I could tell during the week there was a lot of tension between Pettis and Pitbull, and I was worried that something would boil over, like near near um, a section. So I decided to play it safe and watch it in the back without any audio. And I don't usually watch MMA without some sort of commentary or um, as I'm there live. Then of course I won't I won't watch it with commentary. But it definitely seemed like Sergio Pettis was the faster fighter for sure. Um, it looked like Pitbull was a little bit off base and was kind of two steps behind. I thought Pitbull would use his wrestling more. He couldn't do that. I thought he would clinch Pettis more and make it a firefight. He couldn't do that. Uh, Pettis' boxing looks superb. He looked like the fresher fighter. It looked like he never gassed during that whole fight. And it looked like he just, overall, he just dominated Pitbull. And he gave Pitbull a pretty nice cut over his right eye too near the end of the fight. And it, it was it was just one of those fights where Pettis looked like the Sergio Pettis that we saw before the injury, and he even looked better than that. Um, but so so th- that's my that's my first point. So uh, yeah, very very rare, but I actually decided to watch it in the back without any commentary. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts on on what Ronaldo and and Rustic were said. And then number two. Uh, how how do I think he's going to fare with Patchy Mix? I think it's a fighter that you're a contender, and I don't think it's going the distance. Let me tell you what: if Patchy Mix comes in ready to go, I think Pettis is going to have some serious problems because after what Patchy Mix did to Rafi on Stotts, uh, that's going to be that's going to be an awesome fight. So I, I think if Pettis isn't careful, I think he could get finished. That's that's. Is I I think either guy is going to get caught with something and someone's go someone's going to sleep. That's what, that's what, that's what I think. I I think that would I think your pre-fight analysis of Pettis versus Mix I should say very early pre-fight analysis of Pettis versus Mix is pretty good on that. Um, yeah, I, I think Zan, 
I think that the fact that you took it upon yourself to go to a place where there was no audio and try to, you know, protect yourself, not get distracted. San, I want to give you a congratulations by doing that. You know why? You have taken more responsibility than any MMA judge and MMA commission possible. Well, thank you. I greatly appreciate it. I'm like, if I'm going to watch one of the biggest fights in Bellator history, I am doing it in a safe place in, fr- in front of a television screen. That yeah, you way, can focus on the fights. and that, not, way, you know, be that, way, that way where I can focus on the fight, and if the decision gets called and there's a brawl, I'm not I'm not in the middle of it. So, yeah, that's what I, that's what I was working about and I noticed as I was leaving that there was extra security in my section as for the fight itself as Ali Abdelaziz was sitting down. So I'm like, okay, hey, I probably need I probably need to get I, pro- I probably need to get out of here for at least for at least the next hour. So I so I did. And 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 then I came back after the decision was called and I watched the main event from my uh from my designated seat. So that's the only fight I wasn't I wasn't out there for is was Pettis versus Pitbull for a reason. Uh, mm-hmm. And what about my third question, by the way? Uh, so, I mean, the commentary with Ronaldo and such, I mean, yeah. Fine. What did they, what did they, what did they say about the fight? What did they, what did they think of it? They thought it was excellent. They thought it was, as we, we said, fight a night by a mile. Uh, I agreed, by the way, with you. I agreed that, you know, like, I try not to pay any mind to what the commentators are saying when I'm watching a fight and, you know, trying yeah, to get... Yeah, and I'm and, and, and I'm simply asking you because I didn't have the opportunity to hear it. Right. But we didn't have, we, we, we didn't have access uh, to it, so, yeah, yeah. I, I understood, but I'm, I'm saying I agreed with you. I, I agree with you, and I agreed with the decision. I had Pettis winning that fight as well. Um... But what about my other question? That do you think we'll ever see anybody win, you know, titles in three weight classes ever in a major MMA organization? Oh yeah, I mean, I think Islam Makhachev is your last hope. We'll see what he does. Right now, he's got one. We'll see where he goes from there. I know. Did you have Pettis winning this fight four to one? Because that's how that's how I scored it. Yeah, I had four one. Okay. And what round did you give to Pitbull? Was it two? I think I gave him. I think I gave him one or two. I think. I, I, I think. I, I think I gave him two. two. Yeah, the fight was kind of a blur after round three, so it was like, okay, I'm like, just as long as they they give it to Pettis, I think we're. I think we're. I think we're okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, the other two fights on the card: Corey Anderson beating Phil Davis. Uh, mixed kind of decision. The crowd uh, was. The crowd was pissed about this. Yeah. The crowd was furious. Um, I, I was gonna say I was gonna say controversial, but I don't know if controversial is the right word for it. I gave it I gave it to Corey Anderson, but I was happy. I I, I would have been okay with the decision either way. I I'm just happy because Team Anderson got to celebrate in his hometown. Finally, get the monkey off his back after losing to Demkov in the same building, um, too. So that was cool, but it was a very hotly debated, uh. Decision. After after I and uh, after I went in the back to the media room and some of the fellow media members were there, we were all we were all split. So I had it I had it for Anderson two to one twenty nine twenty eight, but a very close decision. I'd have to honestly go back to that fight and really and really look at it because I was more focused on PFL at that point. 
Okay. Fair enough. And by the way, this is coming from someone who was who was not focused on PFL at all until the event was over. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, and then the main card started. Unfortunately, Zan Daniel James coming up on the short end of the stick. Just it, it just looks like Sarah Khan had him beat by a mile. Like he beat him in just about every area. This this fight had me pissed. <laughs> I was. I, I was really, I was really upset. The second the fight started and Gokan took him down, I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Is he, is, cause, cause we had never seen Daniel James on his back like that before. I'm like, okay, how is he going to fare? And he was not able to do it. Um, I think it was just one of those things where maybe the pressure got to him a little bit. Maybe he, he underestimated Gokan. Uh, like only one person asked him a question at the press conference. It was either one person or none of us did. I wanted to. There just wasn't an appropriate transition to do so because I did want to get one in for him. I had one prepared, but I, I, I could not get to it. Um, but he, he looked good. He did what he needed to do. He beat the hype train. Uh, and I'm not saying Daniel James is the hype train. I'm just using it more so as, you know, mm -hmm. what, the, what the scenario was there. But um, he should be very happy with his performance. He did what he needed to do. He was the number 10 guy in the world, and he beat the number four guy in the division. Um, he's going to be, he's going to be ranked, I think in the top five and James might drop a little bit, but it was one of those fights where upsets are going to happen. And James was such a massive favorite that I think it lost a lot of people, a lot of money, but it's one of those fights where once James goes back and reviews the film, I think he'll realize where he went wrong. For sure. All right. Uh, I was a little too busy to catch some of the prelim, postlim uh, stuff. Zan, who did you have as some of your bigger performances from the prelims and the couple of postlim fights? Oh, uh, Mike Hamill looked great. Archie Colgan looked really good. Um, I mean, the, the the prelims were just spectacular, but those two for sure really really stuck out to me, as well as Cody Law's performance. I thought he looked fantastic to open the to open the prelim card. And as far as the post limbs are concerned, um, I, I thought I thought Carl Moore looked excellent in his win as well. And I think he, I think he'll get a title shot in the near future. And I think he's great to build Bellator's base in Ireland, very similar to what Charlie Ward did back in the day. And Zan, I actually think I want to give some credit to Bellator because I think one of the post limb fighters said afterwards that basically because they got moved to the post limbs because of the whole ambulance delay early on that basically bellator compensated some of the posts some i not some if not all of the postal fighters for that yeah the last fight um of the night actually ended at 1 50 a.m eastern just so just just so you know i was yeah. already i was already out of the building at that point but i looked at twitter before i went to bed i'm like you've got to be kidding me these postlims took forever to finish but mm -hmm. yeah the, the prelims were good and overall i had of to give this card an A. I'm a little biased because I was in the building, but I truly had a tremendous time, and I cannot wait for Bellator to either A, come back to Chicago, or for me to go to an out-of-state Bellator event, a bigger out-of-state Bellator event, to see what that's all about, because the, the, the event was just run well, and the week could not have gone any better, and I was just very glad to be there, and I'm glad I got so much good coverage out of it for both my outlet and for this show, and it was truly a spectacular week, and it was cool to just focus solely on one MMA event for a whole week for once, and that was a that, that was a cool experience. And it helped that there was no major UFC, so 
that was also that was also a big help too. Major UFC, but uh, well, you know what? Yeah, same night because there was a UFC the next night with UFC Vegas seventy five. Right, I, I more so met like a pay per view. There, there was right, uh, right. Uh, Jared Cannonier Zan. Let's talk about him. I think Zan. If I'm going to give a performer of the weekend, it is Jared Cannonier though, setting a new UFC middleweight significant strike record in a fight. Uh, actually, Zan, I think if I'm not mistaken. I forget where I see this. Might have been your boy, Nolan King. The fourth most significant strikes landed in any UFC fight in history as he takes a unanimous decision over Marvin Vittori. Uh, I don't know if I can throw Jared Cannonier right into another title fight, but after this kind of performance, Dan, and the fact that he's won both his fights after his loss to uh, Israel Adesanya, I mean... He's definitely at least going to be one fight away from getting another title shot. Yeah, he's one fight away for sure. And you might hate me for saying this, but I think Canadier versus Chmaya makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I don't know what they're going to do with Chmaya because now Dana last week said that they have rumors of a fight between Chmaya and Usman's BS. Yeah, which I also uh, verified in one of my latest articles was for bjpen.com that yes he did in fact actually say that so i don't know yeah the middleweight division is definitely very interesting but cannonier did make his case and uh and is giving max holloway is the best boxer in the ufc and for a run for his money because cannonier just piecemealed vittori for 20 out of 25 minutes and yeah. we're very good doing it and probably should have finished him in the second round i i i'm, I'm surprised I mean, credit to Vittori for the kind of chin that he has, but I'm surprised Cannonier didn't get a finish in this fight. Credit to the over four and a half betters' pulses, because I'm sure all of those people were sweating as that was, <laughs> as that was, as that was happening. Because remember how I told you that I thought this fight was was going to go the distance, and I was getting I was getting nervous. Like, oh, we did get, we did say that this was going to go the distance. We did. We we were split on the person that we thought it was going to be in favor for, but we said this yeah. fight was going to distance, and yet I'm surprised it didn't. With how Cannonier, how Cannonier was just tearing him up on the feet. Yeah, he was great, and it actually uh, I was uh, I won five out of six on the main card, so I was happy to finish the night on a on a on a five and one. Uh, Record there after starting the undercard two five and one and the one draw still has me or the one no and just still has me pissed off because there was a referee mistake. Uh, right. But but yeah, we'll, we'll get we'll, we'll get we'll get into that. Yeah. Uh, so who do we think Jared Kenyir is going to have to fight next? I think I think Chimaev is a possibility as long as he's not going back down to welterweight. Um, otherwise, I think maybe Kenier might have to wait for the loser of Whitaker versus Duplessis. I think the loser of Whitaker versus DDP makes a lot more sense. Yeah, I can see because the winner, the winner of Whitaker DDP is obviously getting the next title shot. Has to be. Um, mm -hmm. It's just a matter of it's just a matter of what happens afterwards. Again, this is you know credit for. You know, for everything that I talk about with the DDP hype train and for every, you know, the performance Cannonier has and Adesanya's big win over Pereira in April. This is sometimes what happens when you've got a case where, you know, uh, a champion has run through all of his top challengers. Yeah, yeah. I think I think this is the case that we're currently in at the moment. 
Well, you're right. He may have to wait to see what happens with UFC 290 before uh, before taking that next step towards a shot at the belt. Yeah, for sure. All right, definitely, talk- definitely a very impressive performance. And in terms mm-hmm. of where, in terms of where Marvin Vittori goes from here, because we really haven't spoken about him just yet. Uh, my opinion is, I think, um, I think he should fight uh, Derek Brunson next. What do you, what do you think? I mean, he's definitely going to have to have some form of step down the competition. Uh, just looking at the names, I mean, he obviously lost to Cannoneer. He's already beaten Paulo Costa, and I don't want to see that. Right. That's why I skipped over him. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that would leave that would leave guys who, as of Monday, uh, I don't know if this is updated. No, it's not because Cannoneer is still there. So Cannoneer is still under Vittori. So, uh, I mean, that leaves me, Zan, with – who the guys who last week were in the seven, eight, nine range being Strickland, Brunson, and Roman Belzees. I think one of those guys is probably going to have to be Vittori's next option. So I don't know if a Strickland fight really interests me. I think, I think it might, you're right. It might have to be Brunson next. Yeah. And obviously the rankings will be updated around the time of this recording. So we'll get a clearer picture when we go over the middleweight rankings, whenever it is the next time that we do, but I'm sure the next time we do go over them, they're going to be vastly different. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess it makes more sense after the DDP Whitaker fight concludes that, and we'll, then we'll get a clearer picture of what happens with the division moving forward. Overall, though, a very impressive performance for Cannoneer, and in my opinion, the best performance of his UFC career to date. I could very well, I could very well agree with that. All right. I, I know I listed Zach Poga versus Modestus Bukasis for this fight, but I think, Zan, I think it's not just about the judging personally. I think there were several mistakes that were made. So you have the bad judging with this fight. You had what you kind of alluded to before with the um, Ronnie Lawrence fight where Lawrence appeared to go – where Lawrence, according to Keith Peterson, went out but didn't or that he was going to tap. He looked like Lawrence was thinking about tapping, but ultimately didn't tap, or uh, Keith Peterson jumped in a little too quickly. Uh, And then there was one fight, Zan, where one of the fighters uh, scored a... It seemed like scored a finish, got a big takedown, and then finished him on the ground with 4 minutes, 59 seconds, you know, into the fight. Uh, I mean, into the third round, there was one second remaining in the fight, and ultimately that went awry. Uh, I don't know, Zan. I, I think the point I'm trying to make is that the prelim judging and refereeing was just. Uh, hold on, hold on. I need a sound effect for it. Ah, here it is. Yeah, I mean that's a good way to put it. Let me see. The fight you're the fight you're thinking of. Um, where where there was one second left in in the fight with Hernandez versus uh, Bondar. It was Hernandez. I was thinking it was Hernandez. Uh, uh, yeah, it was Hernandez. So for instead instead of a finish, instead of an exciting last second finish, because the um fight ended with a headbutt on that takedown, it instead goes in Hernandez's favor by unanimous technical decision. Yeah, bizarre. Uh a bizarre uh, score reading and a re- reading that I've actually never seen before. So, uh, so that was, that was very bizarre. Nonetheless, he, he looks great in his respective fight too. So. 
Yeah, so there's that. Dan Argetta versus Ronnie Lawrence. Disappointing. I hope they maybe try to run that one back. And Paga versus Buskaskis. I mean, Zan, what more can we say about judging that hasn't been said already this year? Nothing. I, I don't know what else you could say. Just another example. Thanks, Nevada. Yeah, and it's and of course it's in the state of Nevada for like the sixth week in a row. <laughs> Uh, you have uh, Nevada gonna Nevada at this point. Uh, so I want to go back. I mean, Zan, you consider you consider the amount of judging and refereeing mistakes. You consider Zan what we talked about earlier in this episode about you know screwing over potentially Madison Square Garden because Connor doesn't want to fight Chandler anymore. And with taking Jones Steep away from the garden, that it just brings up Zan the debate again about if the UFC is just holding too many cards. And I, I remember Zan yesterday, uh, I mean, the other day, talking with my dad on Father's Day about potential cards and, you know, trying to work with my schedule with all that I do. Uh, that's actually eating at some of my time with ETB. And then I look, I'm like, well, the UFC is off one of these weekends, right? And then I double check, like, no, they're actually not. They have this weekend in Jacksonville, another card the week after that, then it's 290. And then maybe do they have a week off or did they end their July 15th as well? No, they no, no, they do have a card July 15th. They have a card July 15th, the 20. They're going every single week. They are going every literally every single week. Oh my god, Zen, there is UFC. I mean, from a from an MMA fan's perspective, it's great. But the fact that there's not a week off with UFC until maybe mid uh, late September or early October can be kind of exhausting. And, and oh, then, for and, sure. And then you're gonna get some of these cards, Sam, where the the, the injuries are gonna happen, and the the result is the main event's gonna be some unranked fighters you don't know. No, no kidding. Um, I mean, the answer to this question is yes, but the UFC is doing it to try to fill a quota. They have a contract to fill where they have to put on 50 40, events, I think. I think 40. it's 42. Exactly. Okay, there's 42 shows a year, and they have to meet a quota per their contract with ESPN. I think that's the only reason why you're seeing so many UFC fight night cards in a row and why they're so comfortable at the apex because they don't have to pay for production. Because I remember uh, COVID time, 2020, they got into a little hot water by trying to schedule cards during the pan the heat of the pandemic because of their quota. And then I think ESPN gave them a little heat because they couldn't meet the quota because of the forced cancellations due to all the COVID restrictions. Yeah, which that's more so ESPN's fault. But... Right. You're right. You're right on that. That's That's ESPN being major... Well, word I don't want to say, a word I don't want to say on the air. But I mean, Kate, you can just look at the recent uh, cuts that they've had the past year or so, and you know the word I'm going to mention there. <laughs> no, uh, I know. I, I know. I'll say this: I know a variation of the word that you're going to mention there, which which actually makes me laugh as I as I hear it in my head, and I hear you saying it in my head. It actually makes it even funnier. But it's it's true. It's true. I mean. Uh, I'll I'll just use this the the fact that ESPN the fact that ESPN puts this quota in and the fact that ESPN was mad during the pandemic time and all the cuts I'll use one of their own people Zan 
to say what I think about ESPN. Who was on crack? Yeah, no, 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 no kidding. But hey, this is when you talk about a, a dark period or a dead period in sports. There's not much on at the moment. I mean, so they, you're, you're they, right. The UFC, I'm not surprised, is going to take advantage during the summertime when there's no college football to really worry about, no basketball. So they can have all the ESPN cards on the Saturdays and all the ABC cards on the Saturdays that they want. It's just a matter of, Zan, you look at some of the UFC events in 2023 that are upcoming. So... I mean, we'll get into some of them a little later, but you got next week's card. You got Strickland versus Ibis Magomedov. You have, I mean, Zan, July 15th. Your headliners are Holly Holm versus Myra Silva and Albert Dorea versus Park Jun Young. By the way, and I may be one of like 2,000 fans that are actually really excited. I need to see that co-main event, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, it just goes to show the quality of events, you know, sometimes during the year continues to plummet. And speaking of Sean Strickland's opponent, James Lynch has been super critical of the fight just based on the numbers. The, the, the guy who Strickland is fighting has fought, has fought n- nobody so far. And what, it's his second UFC fight or something like that? Dana's Dana's reasoning for making that fight is because nobody wants to fight him. Uh, nobody wants to fight him. Strickland stepped up. That is that is that is insane. But hey, who knows? It may it may be one of the biggest upsets of the year. You never you never know. Right. And then and then of course UFC gonna UFC with you know some of these cards that we absolutely criticize end up being some of the best cards of the year. No, without a doubt. Without a doubt. But the answer answer to my question is yes. They're holding too many cards. If they could reduce it from like 42 events to maybe 28 or something, I would be more than happy. But at the moment, with ESPN's quota, we're not going to see it anytime soon. No. Uh, Also, let's talk about some of the newer fights that got announced. And what seems to be a monthly thing, Zan, of Dana going, jumping on Twitter and saying, hey, guys. Check out all the great action we got coming up. So, August 5th in Nashville, Corey Sanhagen, Umar Nurmagomedov. UFC Singapore, August 26th, Max Holloway, Korean Zombie. UFC Paris on September 2nd, Cyril Gunn, returning against Sergey Spivak. So, your thoughts on any of these fights here, Zan? All solid fights. TKZ should not be fighting Max Holloway, though he should be worrying about retirement. But for the rest of these fights, they should be good. And I think Umar Nurmagomedov is Corey Sandhagen's of his test, uh, not named Aljamain Sterling, and that should be an absolute uh, banger in Nashville. That should be a fight. I am picking Umar Nurmagomedov based on the sole bias that there is a picture of me and <laughs> his Instagram, and I think if Umar Nurmagomedov outwrestles Corey Sandhagen, he will win that fight for sure. Um. I will answer. I mean, I'm super excited for Max Holloway versus Korean Zombie. I know people are very critical of that. I know what you said before about retirement, Zan. I think the fight, the reason that fight's booked, I think it is because this is it. I think this is going to be his retirement fight. The hey, fact that you, Holloway, to, to do it in Singapore, though, that's a pretty fitting place to do it. That That's why I'm thinking. It's Singapore. It's Holloway. It's, you know, a headline fight night, I, I think. I think that's the reason this got booked. As much as Korean Zombie is probably going to get torn to pieces with this fight, I think that 
he is laying the gloves down after this. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think we then, unfortunately are witnessing the end. I think so too. And then a good bounce back fight for Gon to fight Spivak. It should be an absolute war. Mm-hmm. And it'll be it'll be a close fight. I got Gon winning a close decision, but we'll see if my if my brain changes as uh, as September second gets closer. But I got I got Gon as my early pick there. Overall, though, three solid fights uh, and three solid UFC fight night headliners for sure. Absolutely. All right. Let's then look at the PFL. Uh, a couple of headlines from there. I know we're already over an hour into the show, but we got more to talk about because then I think the biggest thing coming out of the PFL, I mean, you had a couple of really solid performances, which I'll get into, but this is what everyone's talking about. So John Jones has trained, uh, been assisting with Maurice Green's training in the lead up to the PFL fight. I think Maurice Green part of his camp. And Zan, he, so he was in attendance because, uh, obviously because Maurice Green was fighting in the main event, but so too was Francis Ngannou. Now, Francis Ngannou, of course, having signed that mega deal that we have not stopped talking about with the PFL. Uh, you had the Deontay Wilder news last week, Zan, where he, in an interview, pretty much stated that he is interested in fighting Francis in both boxing and MMA. And we said, you know, maybe Deontay Wilder and that offer is what the PFL has needed for this deal with Francis Ngannou to make it make sense. But Francis Ngannou and John Jones were both in the building. And guess what? They actually managed to come across one another and they had a little stare down. They both claimed that stare downs would be the best in the world. And they both, they both, you know, they were saying, you know, like, you know, like there wasn't any tension. That I mean, there was some tension, but they were both smiling during it. There didn't seem, you know, no fisticuffs were ever threatened to be throwing. No, I mean, I think it was just good for social media. I think it gets people talking again. I think it stirs the pot. You got you got Don Davis poking the bear. Dana White said, "Hey, Dana, you watch." <laughs> <laughs> I love I love Don Davis. I, I don't and I just don't say that because I'm affiliated with PFL, but I love Don Davis. I mean that was I mean that was hilarious and it, you know it definitely gets people talking. Uh I don't think we're gonna see a fight between them anytime soon, but I think it certainly goes to show that the two baddest dudes on the planet at MMA are still the predator and bones. So it's good to it's good to see and uh I'm happy to see that they had some friendly banter back and forth, and it was definitely very entertaining, without yeah, a doubt. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, for all the tension that has had, you know, that's been had with their negotiations, that everybody can be, you know, kind of sociable in the aftermath and the hope that maybe one day it can happen. I mean, Zan, right now I'm focused, and right now if I'm PFL, I'm focused on trying to make this Deontay Wilder thing work, have Francis and him box later this year, and then uh have an MMA fight on their what would hope to be a pay-per-view card in the summer of 24. Sounds good to me, man. Sign me up for it. Yeah. And then John Jones focus of course on a steep A fight. Please let it be a Madison Square Garden, please. <laughs> yeah, I, I think as much as we're a little worried, I think they're gonna do everything they can to make sure Jones Steep A either Jones Steep A or Jones um Sergey Pavlovich will happen at Madison Square Garden. By the way, uh, w- will you go if 
it's Jones versus Pavlovich, or will you only go if it's Jones versus? I think I will make some attempt to go if it's Jones Pavlovich. My thing, Zan, is I don't know if Jones wants Pavlovich. I think he wants Cipe. Interesting. Okay. I I don't know how interested Jones is going to be in fighting somebody like a Pavlovich. I think he only wants, you know, he wants the guy who's been the heavyweight king for so long. Yeah, I hear you. All right, let me talk about some of the fights. As much as this was the co-main event, not the main event, Zan, I think my biggest performer from PFL uh, this past weekend has got to be Larissa Pacheco. Uh, yeah, Larissa Pacheco for sure. And I think at this point with the way the postseason is going, I think she's on the fast track to repeating again. She looked very, very impressive. She was a minus 1,500 favorite. Going going into this fight, and she, and she was taking on and sorry, Zan, and she was taking on Amber Lebrock, who got a first round finish. So it was technically one versus two in the standings on this card. That is that is wild. But yeah, Bachenko looked very impressive. And as far as the question is concerned, the question I frankly came up with is I do think that she has a legitimate chance to repeat with Kayla Harrison out of the picture at the moment. Uh, other big performances, by the way. Because she wasn't the only one who earned a quick knockout. Uh, right before her, her fight, uh, Renan Ferreira knocking out Matt Scheifel with a devastating punch. For It only lasted about 50 seconds, but it was a damn good 50 seconds, that fight. It was wild. <laughs> um, and on the prelims, uh, Dennis Goltsov, 18 seconds. All he needed to take out Jorgen DeCastro. Yeah, he is absolutely just a, a freak. And that's a guy that I don't think gets enough credit. So good for him for getting another devastating win because he is always exciting to watch. For sure. Uh, And actually, I want to double check the standings after the event because, okay, so Amber Lebron did did manage to stay in the top four. So she's going to be the number three. So if Amber Lebron wants revenge, she's going to have to go through Marina uh, Maknitkina first. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Aspen Ladd and Aspen Ladd and Julia Budd actually just missing out on the playoffs. I, Aspen Ladd losing on a tiebreaker. Yeah, uh, that is that is tough. Two former two former UFC veterans not being able to share their place in the playoffs. That that is very unfortunate. Uh, main event of PFL, by the way, Ante Delia. I mean, Ante Delia didn't make the playoffs because this was his first fight of the season, Sam. But I gotta give credit. I mean. To come back from an injury that we thought was going to take him out for all of the, the all of the season that was going to make him ineligible, and then everything that happens with the drug testing happens. Anti Delia comes back, and he manages to take out Maurice Green and out grapple him and out showcase him for two of the three rounds to earn a decision win. I mean, my hats off to him. Yeah, very very impressive win and. Uh... Someone that's going to be one to watch as the season goes along, even though it's uh, even though we're kind of halfway through, it's good to see that he got his moment in the sun. Yeah, I think. Sorry, Zan. I I think either during the playoffs or the championship showcase in full, I I think they're going to try to give Delia a showcase bout. Oh, for sure, without a doubt. They got to get him on the card, the former champion. For sure. Uh, As far as Maurice Green, I mean. He's going to have to do a lot of retooling because he didn't look great against Aaliyah. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. And uh, sometimes those things are going to happen, especially in such a rigorous tournament like that one, and uh, he'll have to go back to the drawing board 100%. All right, let's talk about 
the previews for this coming uh, weekend's cards and Saturday Saturday afternoon ABC card prelims begin noon Eastern main card begins on ABC at 3 p.m. Eastern headlines Josh Emmett Ilya Tapuria and Sant this is going to be a striking showcase yeah it's going to be a striking showcase for sure I think Josh Emmett's experience though overall from Taporia. I think Taporia tries to knock him out early, but I think Emmett gets a close split decision win. It'll be a very, very entertaining fight. I think Taporia will bring it, but Emmett, I just think is gonna is gonna overpower uh Taporia in the later rounds, gas him out and win and win and win a very close decision. Yeah, I think Emmett has the better gas tank. He's got more experience. I think you're right, Dan. I think this is a case where experience will win out, and I give it to Emmett. I don't know if I can go with a split. I do, I think this one's going to go to distance. I think it'll probably maybe a unanimous, not a split, but I see this one ending in Emmett's favor as well. Without a doubt. Uh, Co-main event. Amanda Rebos returns, as does Macy Barber as these two face off. Yeah, I like Hebos by sub in the second. I'm a big Macy Barber fan, but I just think Hebos is better everywhere. I, I'm going to... I'm going to agree. I think I'm a little concerned. I want to see how Macy Barber's submission defense holds up against somebody who is a bit of a grappling expert like Hebas. And that my thing point is I don't know if it's going to hold up against somebody like Hebas. Good point. Good point. So you're also picking Hebas, I assume. Yes. Hebas okay. decision. Uh, a couple other fights to, to keep an eye out on. Brendan Allen's going to return against Bruno Silva. Uh, I mean, I remember saying we were hyping up Brandon Allen and I really want Brandon Allen to get a win in this fight. Yeah, I do too. And, um, Allen's previous opponent, you actually called it. You said that that was going to be his next fight. Unfortunately, that fight did not materialize. Oh, um, Hermanson? Yeah, you called it. That's and right. That's UFC, right. I did call the, that. The UFC made the fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Hermanson got hurt. That's right. Yep. So... I'm I'm hoping that Brendan Allen will take this opportunity and basically put on a star-studded performance. I don't know if he's going to move up in the middleweight rankings too much after this, but you know, it, this is definitely going to at least show you know he is capable of getting into the top ten. Oh, for sure. I think Allen wins by TKO in yeah. uh, in, in mid to, mid to late round one. I, I, I think, think this yeah. is a I think this is a first or second round finish. I think so too. Uh, and Neil Magny taking on Phil Rowe. If you're Mag, this is kind of a must-win for Magny, isn't it? Yeah, I think Magny wins by decision. I just think he's a better all-around fighter, and I think he'll use his wrestling to neutralize Rowe, get him in some bad positions, maybe finish him. But I think I think Magny beats Phil Rowe, and it'll be a good learning experience for him. But I I think Magny is just too big of a step up in competition for a guy like Rowe, who's still relatively young in the sport. For sure. I think, Zan, like I said uh, and alluded to, I, I think it, the bigger story of this fight is going to be more of if Phil Rowe manages to upset Magny because that would be exciting for Phil Rowe, but that would probably put Neil Magny at quite the crossroads if he loses here. Absolutely. Very, very important fight for him, without a doubt. Uh, main event of the PFL card for this weekend takes place on Friday night. Olivier Aubin-Mercier, the defending uh, lightweight champion, is going to be taking on Anthony Romero. And I think, you know, the PFL can be crazy with some of these fights sometimes, and 
in which, you know, the unexpected upsets can happen. I mean, look at Jesus Pineda a couple of weeks ago. But yeah. I think how I am is the defending champion for a reason. You know, it didn't work out well with Brendan Logney. I think it'll work out maybe with uh, OAM. I'm going to have OAM by decision. Okay, I'm picking OAM as well. Although Anthony Romero is a former Dana White Contender Series alumni, if I'm not mistaken. I think you're right, um, yeah. I don't I don't know how much that will help him, but I just think OAM is a better all-around fighter. I think he's striking well. I think he'll hurt Romero a couple times, and he'll represent Canada proud, and he'll get he'll get the win. Uh, agreed. Other notable fights, by the way. Sabadusai looking to get, clinch a playoff spot with a win over Shane Mitchell on the main card. Shane Burgos returns on the main card. He lost to OAM on PFL 3 in April. He's looking for a bounce back against Yamoto Nishikawa as uh, Burgos and Nishikawa both look to you know keep their playoff hopes alive. I love the opening fight to the main cards and Clay Collard, Stevie Ray. Yeah, who doesn't love that fight? Clay Collard obviously has had experience in both boxing and MMA. He's always exciting. And then Stevie Ray has been an OG of the game for several years. If you want to talk about two fights to watch on PFL th this weekend, that is definitely the, one of the two I would be I would be glued into. I'm picking Clay Collard. I think he outboxes Stevie Ray, but would not be surprised if this fight goes either way. He has a chance to definitely be a PFL fight if he's a contender. Yeah, this is going to be an early fight and night pick for me. Collard versus Ray. I'm going to lean towards Collard as well. Also, I want to give some shout-outs on the prelims. Uh, Magomed, Magomed Karamov, the former welterweight champion, is going to take on David Zawada in the featured fight on the prelims. Also, Zan, I like this one on the prelims. I can't believe this is a prelim fight, but... Sometimes that's how it goes with PFL. Natan Schultz, Rosh Montfiel, two, you know, veterans of the PFL game. Yeah, that'll be a good one, and that'll be a good one to definitely tune in early for uh, definitely all action in that fight. Also, no doubt Carl about it. Carlos Leal, Delano Taylor. Delano Taylor, you may remember as the guy who upset Rory McDonald with a big finish I, as McDonald uh, finished his career. Oh, I do. I do. He's a very infamous name. And for those of you who have not seen that fight, go look it up because it is a nasty knockout. Yeah, absolutely. And that's going to do it for this edition of the MMA Outsiders. So once again, make sure to hit that like button, subscribe, hit the notification bell so you get notified of everything here. Make sure to tune in to Tough Enough episode four tonight. Should be starting up around 11.05 Eastern time right after uh, the Ultimate Fighter season 31 episode four finishes up. Make sure to follow us across social media at MMA Outsiders ETB on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow the network at ETB Network, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Again, that's Zambando. You can follow, find his work over at BJPen.com. Give him a follow at Zambando99. Also, a Bellator Rankings Committee member. I'm Tom Albano. Find my work over at Fansided MMA as well as the PFL. Give me a follow on social media at Thomas J. Albano. Make sure to check out etbpodcast.com for all the information that you want about the network and blogs from some of our hosts. Check out uh, our audio-only platforms like Acast, Spotify, and so much more. If you want the audio version of the show, those of you who are listening on the audio, don't forget to check out the YouTube feed. Closing in on 400, 400 subscribers. Hope to get to 500 sooner rather than later. And, yeah, that's going to do it. Uh, Sam, before we go... I think we, you know, to give a little pep talk to everybody out there, you know, as we entered the summer, be Joe Pfeiffer and have a spectacular knockout summer. 
Uh, yeah, be Jill Piper, have a spectacular knockout summer, enjoy all the fights. As usual, we thank, we thank you again for tuning in. We know it was a packed show, but we hope you guys enjoyed every single minute of it. And we look forward to bringing you more content on the MMA Outsiders as July, as I like to call it, is the madness month of MMA. So we'll be able to break down everything and more from all of the major promotions. And thank you for staying along the ride with us. And that will do it for this week's edition of uh, the MMA Outsiders. Thank you again for tuning in. For Zan, I'm Tom. See you next time. Take care, everyone. See you Take tonight. Care, everyone. Yep, absolutely.